It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Roofing.net. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, ask about the Friday KXNO lunch special. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Today. Such a great uh, music bed, is it not? It, it's just perfect for what it is. It, it truly is. I mean, you hear it and you know what where you are or what you're about to watch. We're about to hear from our golf guys, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest. He joins us. Thought we'd get Matt a week early to get all the you know, the minutiae. It was not minutiae, it's Tiger Woods and yeah. Phil Mickelson, but you get my point. We will pick his brain on uh, on who he thinks has a chance in the course itself next week when he joins us. Uh, but right now, let's uh, kind of do the periphery stuff, if you will. Hello, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, Trenton Ken. Thanks for doing this. How are you? Hello, gentlemen. I'm doing okay. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk with you again. So let's um, let's start with Tiger, who walked the course on Tuesday. By all accounts, played with his son, uh, played with Justin Thomas. It's funny we associate tracking playing tail numbers to college coaches, whether it be football or basketball. And there were some people that were tracking Tiger's pli- private plane from Jupiter, Florida, into Augusta, so we knew he and his team were on the way. But then all of a sudden, yesterday. Yesterday, Matt kind of went radio silence. Did you hear anything about yesterday after he walked the course on Tuesday? I didn't hear anything beyond uh, just just that he wasn't taking any particular pains to hide what he was doing, and and um, and I think it was it was clear in two respects. Number one, it was clear that he was going to go do it, and number two, it's clear that the the idea is. Go walk that course, and it's, and it's a very difficult walk, maybe the hardest walk on tour, and, and not so much see what happens during that round, but how you feel the next day. Because the reality is, he's got to go there and you know play some some practice rounds, tournament week, and then be able to walk for four rounds in a row. And I, I don't think the mystery is being able to hit shots, or, you know, or physically hit driver things like that. The mystery is how do your legs feel walking that place four days in a row, and. And, and I think that's where we are. Traditionally, he he announces Friday before what he's going to do. So April Fool's Day <laughs> tomorrow, we're gonna we're probably going to hear something. It's one that yesterday your mind speculates, right? You you go through this process. We hear so much on Tuesday, the build up. Here he goes. He's out there playing. We're getting excited, and then a lot of silence yesterday led me to believe maybe it didn't go as well. He woke up sore. I don't know. Just connecting dots here. What do you read, if anything, into yesterday after all the buzz on Tuesday, a very quiet Wednesday, where we are? And and I thought you also brought up a really good point. Tiger's doing this. He really expects he's going to play, right? I think he expects he's going to play. And I think more important than anything, and I've talked about this with you guys on your show lots of times, he's he's keenly aware that there aren't unlimited numbers of masters left for him to be competitive in. He's not not 30. 
I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's getting up into his mid forties and as someone who's 49 fixing to turn 50 this year, I mean, it doesn't get any easier as the years go by. So Mm -hmm. I think if his legs feel not even great, but just okay. And he feels like he can give it a crack. I think the key thing is awareness that whatever he goes and does and walks and and hits, it's it's not going to risk damaging his body or hurting him. If it's it's not going to cause any damage or or, or give him some kind of risk for being able to play later this season, I I think you're going to see him. St. Andrews is a fantastic, easy, lovely walk, and I I think that one's a no-brainer. Now, I think that the drama is can he walk those hills for four days. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, Matt, we've also talked about over the years, it was my contention that when his, when Tiger's game started to slip, and we as fans watching it on TV or you if you're at the course in person, you may not see it, but but he knows that he's not the same player as he once was. And I thought at that point that his pride was was at such a level that he would just pack it in and we would never see him again. Maybe he'd come, or maybe or maybe he wouldn't be the ceremonial tee shot. But I never thought he was going to play on the senior tour. Getting back to what you just said about he's only got a limited amount of masters left. Might we see Tiger with the skills diminishing a little bit, knowing that you know he probably doesn't have a chance to like Fred Couples first round of the tournament. He's usually in the hunt, right? Uh, but then it catches up with him. Um, do you think Tiger's changed as how he'll approach as he gets in a up in age? Well, I think winning a couple of years ago was a big thing. I think that 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 proved a lot. I don't think it proved things to us, but it proved to him that he that he could do it. And 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 I think the the nature that your game deteriorates is also a big thing. Fred Couples can still move the ball really well. He can hit it far enough that he can be a reasonable player. If your game deteriorates, and, and, and if your Tiger, if the injuries you've suffered cause you to have you know club head speed down around a hundred, I, I don't think you're going to see him out there hitting fairway woods in the, in the hole. I mean, that's not the tiger we're going to see if he can still move the ball and he can, and he can hit the shots that we've traditionally seen him hit around the greens. Then, then yes. I also think that the injuries he's had with his back, those were when he was a relatively younger person as far as back injuries go. And I, and I think if, if the risk was, getting those kinds of injuries that, that made him a shell of what he was when he was in his late 30s or in his early 40s. Now as his age is almost getting to the point where having some of that uh, time creep up on you is it's, it's something you can, you can deal with psychologically a little bit more as opposed to sort of this, the, you know, the Sandy Koufax part where you're 30 and you can't throw a fastball anymore. Um, I, I, think, I, I think that if Tiger can be an approximation and, and, and be a, a, per, a player who can – who can compete and make the cut and be an approximation of what he was, we're going to see him. If he's a ceremonial golfer, I think that the, the, the first time he suspects that it's, that there's no way he's going to make the cut or shoot a, a round under par, we're not going to see him again. So Tiger has mentioned that length is kind of his biggest concern here. Doing that at Augusta feels good about his short game. How impactful is that to him? A guy that has always been a bomber. If he's out there and his average driving distance is you know towards the bottom part of the field, how much has that changed in the here and now, just for this tournament? And can he get around this course and, at the very least, make it to the weekend, even if he's only hitting it, you know, an average of two seventy? Uh, the, the irony is that, that, as far as he's always hit it, that's been the driver in how uh, you know Augusta National has kept up with you know they, they've they've stretched the golf course, they've done everything they can to make the golf course you know grow teeth and, and to be difficult for long hitters. And Tiger was the one who created that 
And the irony is all this yardage that they're adding and the holes that they're changing is probably stealing an even bigger advantage for him, which is, the, which is local knowledge. When the course isn't what it was and they change things around, you know, if, if you've played lots and lots and lots of rounds there and it had lots of success, really everybody's shown up at a new golf course. So, yes, your, your point is a good one. There are 50 players on the, on the tour who can hit it by him in a nanosecond. That's one problem. Problem number two is Scotty Scheffler, you know, he didn't, he didn't play, you know, a hundred and some competitive rounds at Augusta National like Tiger did, but both of those guys are going to see this golf course in the way it is the first time this year. Hmm. Let's move to Phil Mickelson, who seemingly, uh, I don't want to call it a fall from grace, but I, but I think a lot of people's maybe opinion changed of him. Uh, I'm not sure if the, the tour players, I think, had seen through him in some respects. Uh, so they, they know Phil Mickelson. Uh, but what, what, why is he not playing this weekend? Do you, do you think, Matt Rudy? Uh, I think the, 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 the suspensions that the PGA Tour could or would give out don't have anything to do with the Masters. So I think he could show up and play. They called him and said, don't come, because I think of the, the distraction uh-huh. that would cause. And I, and I think he's had a lot of success, and he has a lot of admiration for the people that run that tournament, and he's exceeding to their wishes. I also don't think he wants to confront a lot of the questions that are going to come. It's probably better to go do that at some off-brand smaller event and get it out of the way maybe even a champions tour event where you you know you go through that round of questions and you pop the blister and and get through it this is not the week to do that um and and, you know his his statement that he made alluded to lots of things that he's trying to deal with you know the the you know and and i wouldn't even want to speculate what some of those other things are but you know the, the the stress of of you know the financial stress the the stress of being a tour player who's moving into a different age bracket and you know, trying really hard. I mean, physically, he's worked really hard to try to keep his skills. I, I think there's a lot going on that that a break from attention is, is probably warranted. That said, I mean, I mean, let, let's be fair. Tiger Woods has had an awful lot of problems off the golf course in his life. He just yep. crashed his car, you know, driving 80 miles an hour down a hill. Mm-hmm. You know, fell asleep at the wheel or could have killed somebody else. That's a pretty serious yep. thing. You know, probably more serious than comments you might have about joining a different league and tiger didn't get nearly the same blowback that phil is getting for this now now phil deserves what he's getting but it's probably a little bit out of proportion in comparison to what how we've reacted to what some other players have been doing so long term with phil how this is going to go of course uh, looking across the pond and that big saudi thing a foot in his mouth and what has kind of come out of that how does phil repair his image and do people want him around? I, I think Ken kind of alluded to that, but you know, people seeing through the facade that I think Ken and I both have never really bought uh, throughout the years. What's <laughs> next for Phil? When you look big picture, what's this going to turn into? I mean, that, that's a good question because I don't know that Phil's laundry about this thing is dirtier than anybody else's. I mean, you have agents <laughs> to, to ask those kinds of questions, and and let's be real, money is at the root of what most, you know, the vast majority of professional athletes decide to do, whether it's changing teams or you know, the endorsement deals they signed. That's, you know, we just got probably probably a little bit more of how the sausage was made with this than we normally do. And Phil's worked so hard to cultivate his image for a long time. Uh, because he's, he's worked so hard and his image has been, you know, so carefully tended, this kind of damage is, hurts him more than it would hurt a lot of other players. Um, I, I think he's still going to be one of the most popular players around, but there's two, there's two pieces at play here. 
he's not going to be a week in and week out competitor on the regular PGA Tour because he's 51 years old. So he just doesn't have maybe the runway to get the forgiveness that somebody else might get. Um, and, you know, we're not going to see him playing in Masters and in, in, in British Opens and U.S. Opens for the next 10 or 15 years. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit more out of sight, out of mind. And it's probably going to hurt him on some of those things like the, the special one-off matches with other mm, athletes yeah. and, yep. you know, you know, the, the football players, you know, the, the silly season kinds of things. Because if you're not, you know, the America's most popular 51-year-old golfer, why, you know, why are you hosting those kinds of events? Those are the things that are going to go away. Indeed. Well, we want to do this to get those two topics out of the way so we can just focus on the field next week when we talk to you. And a, a guy that you know very well and worked with in the past, Hank Haney, uh, who's Tiger's former coach, he thinks he's in. He said that if his camp is saying it's too early to make a decision, that's code for he's in. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's a good way to to look at it because it would be easier just to say no and get and have the attention right. direct to the term itself. So, I think that's probably a good uh, piece of intel. Good stuff, Matt. We'll uh, reach out Wednesday of next week, is what we're thinking. Uh, I will uh, text you uh, early next week. Thank you. Appreciate it as always, Matt Rudy. You got it. See ya. Good to talk to you, Matt Rudy. Golf Digest. As we talk a little bit of golf with the guy who's joined me on the air for 20, over 20 years. Good, uh, grateful for that relationship. So he's exciting. playing. Yeah. He's playing. He's playing. We're in. I couldn't be any more excited. Bet against him to make the cut. So you, you so you enjoy, enjoy Thursday, Friday yes. because you won't see him on the weekend. Unless we get a rain delay. He's, <laughs> I gotcha. He's not going to play into the weekend. Gotcha. Well, a topic that we've talked about a lot uh, since uh, Iowa and Iowa States and Northern Iowa and Drake's season has come to an end is is the transfer portal. And we had a uh, listener reach out, uh, a guy by the name of Bob, who's on hold. He's going to join us right now. Mm-hmm. And his grandson, a local kid, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Is is in the transfer portal, and Bob's going to. You know, give us a little intel on on what goes into it, Bob. Thank you uh, for being patient, first of all, and for calling us back. I'm anxious to hear uh, from a family's perspective what life is like in the portal. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great. Just getting older and probably a little more stupid. Yeah, well, uh, so. at, least, at least we're getting older, right? Uh, there, there could be there could be worse. So, tell us about your grad. So, you played locally here in Des Moines, right? In high school? Uh, in a suburb. Yes. Yep. I'm not. Uh, I, I, I don't want to embarrass him and give you his no, name. I know. But he did play. <laughs> yeah. He did play here. He received uh, quite a few offers, and ended up in Baltimore. Ended up in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, and now, after his season has come to an end, he's decided to move on, and he's entered the transfer portal. So, once you're in there, is it? Um, I mean, it's 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 a, is it a free for all, or or how do? What's next? Well. His situation was that uh, he's a 4.0 student, and he graduated in three years, will graduate in three years, which left him two years of eligibility. And obviously he liked the school, but that institution didn't have a graduate program. Now, it's a Division One school, mm-hmm. but it didn't have a graduate program. So rather than stay... It wasn't that he was unhappy playing there. He was a starter, led the team in field goal percentage and three-point percentages in the high 40s in each. But he wanted to go on to graduate school, and he was he graduate he will graduate with a financial economics degree, and they didn't have a 
very good graduate program. So it's not a, one of these things where he was unhappy with his playing time and so forth because he was a starter, and they had a successful season. So as I understand it, as is explained to me, to get into the portal, you have to go to the athletic administration. Right. And they put all your stats. Uh, I haven't seen his ad, and I don't – I think – from what I understand, the only people that can get into the portal are the coaches. They don't want the general public in there, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> which is too so, bad. <laughs> yeah, we'd love it. Yeah, yeah, you guys would eat it up. <laughs> but so, as I understand it, you go into this portal. The athletic administration goes into the portal, and the coach told him, "If you don't get located, you can come back if I have a spot." Well, okay. Yeah. So. He entered it like two weeks ago. The first week, he got five offers. <laughs> wow. The second week, he got five calls. And so it, it, there's really, I don't think, any mystery to the portal, but mm-hmm. it's not as though you can just get into the system, get into an app, and, and put your name and all that stuff. You have to go through the athletic administration. Gotcha. So, so with those offers, I mean, can you visit again? Can you can you take yes. an you take an official visit to that school? Okay, gotcha. It, it, it's it's like recruiting all over. Now, if you're a superstar and you're a Duke, uh, if you're at uh, you know a high major E five, uh, you know obviously you probably don't need to take a visit. But uh, in this case, uh, this young man could play P five, but he says I don't want to sit on the bench. Yeah. And, and is this his COVID year that he's going to take advantage of? Is this he's the, got yeah. two years of eligibility. He's got two years, okay. Yeah, 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 he graduated in three. Yep, so he's got two. And I keep, and I keep telling him I'm more proud of your 4.0 yeah, absolutely than I am you basketball are. school. Totally understand. He's so, a six, seven, six, seven, six, eight kid from locally here. Uh, so it's not as simple as one would sound. It's not as though you can sneak under the table from the coach or the administration they and need put your name on this yep. laundry list. So, Bob, a question that I have about this, like you said, he's a local kid. He's playing at a low major out on the East Coast. A- oh, he's playing a high major. Well, <laughs> we, we could argue the High mid-major. Yeah, yeah. High mid-major. Let's put it that way. So, really good program. Has had success in the past and was good again this season. When you're playing at that level, what kind of programs are reaching out? Is it all other mid-majors? Is it some major conference teams that have reached out at this time? You don't have to give us a list, but give us kind of an idea of of who's reaching out. Uh, All the way from, uh, oh gosh, uh, New Hampshire to uh, uh, one of the Big Ten schools, uh, like Northwestern, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, UMKC. Uh, you know, just just a laundry list, and uh, uh, so. But I, I don't want the general public to think that you just get on the internet and go into an app and put your oh, name. And that's why list. that's why I wanted to have you on the air to explain it, Bob, because we Trent and I have never been in the transfer portal. We've been transferred, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> different way, <laughs> but never, right, never got sent through the portal. Bob, thanks for uh, thanks for shedding some light on this. We appreciate it. Uh, best of luck to your grandson. Sounds like uh, scholastically he is going to just do fine in life with that degree uh, that he's about to put on the wall. Thank well, you. Go ahead. You know, sometimes sometimes parents get uh, grandparents get 
too excited about a young man. It's like uh, Jake Sullivan, if you remember that name. Very well. Compared him to Kyle Corver, but more athletic. That's uh, pretty high praise. Yeah, it is. He, it worked out pretty yeah. well for him. And if he wants to break the news on Miller and Condon, let him know he's got a spot, Absolutely. okay? Absolutely. Yep. That's, that's a, that's, What's that again? If he wants to break the news where he's going to go to school, you can tell him he can come on from 10 to noon and do just that. Trent thinks he's got it I figured will. out. Anyways, Bob, thank you for coming on. appreciate it. Tell me off the air what who he thinks. All right, I'll put you on hold. Hang on a second. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, Trent will clue in grandpas to who he yep. thinks he's. He, Trent's got it figured out. I got it. I got it nailed. Well, you probably called a bunch of his high school games. I did, yeah. And I really liked him as a player. Did you? Yeah. All right. Well, um, Bob's awaiting you. We'll go to break. Not to keep, not keep Bob waiting any longer. Has Condon solved the mystery? We'll come back and talk some, uh, NFL draft with Matt Manassarian. That's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Do you remember the time that Michael Jordan won the first of his three P championships? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, wolfroofing.com. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-1 for podcasting. Globe Mail and Marketing is a local design and print shop that'll help you from start to finish. From design to printing and mailing it for you. From wedding invitations to birth announcements. And it's time to be thinking about those graduation announcements. No matter how big or small your project is, Global will work with you from creating a custom design to getting your project inserted into the mail. Global can design, print, and deliver. And Global can help your business grow with custom mailers designed to help you bring new customers through your doors. Located on 121st Street in Urbandale or call Craig at 515-282 3000 It's Global Direct Mail and Marketing. And com. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Final segment here on a Thursday. Excited to get this guy back into the rotation. Uh, Sports Info Solutions is where his uh, where he plies his trade. Matt Manassarian covers the NFL Draft. Graphite Construction Group sponsors what will be weekly appearances with Matt right up and through the draft. Four weeks today, round number one in front of the Bellagio out in the fountains. Pretty cool place in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Now, we had uh, Mike Palm from Circa on our TV show yesterday. Yeah. And I don't think this is a secret because he said it on TV with us. Circus trying to get the at least some of the players that will be drafted on Friday to make those announcements at Stadium Swim. Oh, that would be incredible. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, yeah good for them if they can pull it off. But Matt Manasarian is joining us, and we're talking about the NFL draft, and I couldn't be any happier. Hello, Matt, Trent, and Ken. Thanks for coming back. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. So I think the question that uh, I will speak for half of the, well, more than half of the audience, well, maybe I shouldn't say more than half, but uh, Iowa State, Iowa, they moved the needle here, as I'm sure you're aware. And Iowa State has been a long, long time since they've had a first-round draft pick. It seems as though Brees Hall is hovering uh, on that late first-round conversation. We know how running backs are valued the way that they once were. Najee Harris went in the uh, early 20s last year. I think it was 22-23 to Pittsburgh. Is Brees Hall, in your mind, going to hear his name called four weeks from today, or will he have to wait until round two or three? I hope I'm not disappointing you, but I do think that he's more of a day-two pick for me. I don't see... I don't see a clear-cut round one running back in this draft. He's one of a couple of guys that we have with the with the six-seven grade in our system. So a six-point-seven grade is you're a strong starter. We see him being a strong starting three-down running back on the NFL level. But overall on our big board, he does come out just at number thirty-seven. So that's on the mm-hmm. outside looking in on on the first round. And usually you don't get the, the running back position pumped up a lot because of the the positional value is is kind of looked down upon a little bit on the NFL level these days. Uh, in your in your um, in your scouting, is he uh, RB one? Will he be the first running back or Walker from Michigan State? We've got a few guys right there with him. Um, Isaiah Spiller uh-huh. uh, is a guy uh-huh. out of Texas A and M that that we think is also in the conversation. There, we actually have him just uh, at thirty six, so literally one spot on our big board ahead of Hall. But they're they're neck and neck with one another. And then right there at number forty one on our big board is Kenneth Walker. He's a little bit more of a two-down player. His grade is just at that 6.6 grade range because the every down thing as far as third downs for him, I think is going to be a work in progress. He's got decent hands to catch the ball, but not sort of the, the dynamic ability that you see out of, out of a Brees Hall, for example. So those are our top two guys. Um, we think all, you know, all of those guys will see their, themselves come off the board on that second day. You know, with an outside chance of getting into that first round if there's a, a team that sees the value there. Well, Ken took one half. I'll take the other of the big two here in the mm-hmm. state. Let's go over to Iowa City where Linderbaum had been talked about maybe even as a potential top 10 pick and now uh, dissipating a little bit. It's a center. It's not a premier position. And his arms just aren't long enough, I guess. <laughs> uh, that, that's been the knock here as of late. Your thoughts on Linderbaum? Yeah, that's a big scouting thing. We love to we love to get in on that arm length, um, and yeah, we see we see him as a prospect the way a lot of other people do. Um, he's our 18th ranked player on the board, the top center on the board. Historically, when centers have been graded well, they've really come in right away on the NFL level and been really strong players. You look at a Creed Humphrey last year, um, Tyler Tyler Lindebaum. Um, you know, he's not built like granite construction. Our fine sponsors that we have for the segment, <laughs> yeah. but but uh, you know he is a technician. He's an exceptional athlete. He's got the intelligence that you look for to be able to kind of command the full offense, make all the make all the calls. I think he'll come in as a rookie and do that sort of thing. So a great fit uh, along with a young quarterback. He's got the six point eight grade range. That's a really strong starting player, right? We're talking about a top ten, top fifteen player uh, at his position in the NFL at that grade range. Um, we'll we'll. But we see him a little bit more middle of the first round rather than being the you know not quite the athlete that you look for to go for with that first round that top ten pick. 
Uh, quarterback position, Atlanta at 8, Seattle at 9. Both, you would think, need quarterbacks. Carolina at 6, needs a quarterback. Uh, Jets are going to go forward with the, with the quarterback they've got. We'll see if that works out. Even Houston could probably get in the Derby. Detroit, they can't be happy with Goff long term. But it's just too high, at least you would think, uh, to take one of those quarterbacks. Where do you see, uh, what range do you see the first quarterback coming off the board? I think that the first ranked quarterback comes off the board, uh, I, I want to say sometime in that 8 to 15 range in the first round. I, I think that just the, with the positional value and the way people tend to get pumped up, I think you'll see uh, most likely Malik Willis probably come off the board in that area. Um, just, you know, the, the, the value of the quarterback position is that, and teams understand that. And even if Malik Willis is far from a, a ready-made finished product, I do think he has the upside to potentially develop there, but you know uh, we don't love any of these quarterbacks. Um, again, we're not we're not unique in that regard. But mm-hmm. Malik Willis is our top ranked in the draft. He's at that six point six grade range. We have him a spot behind uh, those running backs that we were talking about before. He's forty second ranked overall. So uh, Malik Willis, I think, is the first guy off the board just because if you're going to go for a Kenny Pickett say, um, I think what you're getting is more ready made but very limited upside. And when you're watching Josh Allen compete against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, I don't think uh, the NFL is in a place right now where you feel great about having somebody who might have kind of limited upside uh, coming in at that position, even if you feel great about the rest of your roster. Uh, You know, I think, for example, that's why you see Denver going all in with Russell Wilson right now. So I think Malik Willis does have that upside that you look for. Um, Great athlete. He's got an arm to match it to. I don't want to say the upside. It's like Michael Vick type upside. But, um, you know, somewhere between uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, Lamar Jackson in terms of what, what the skill set is, not quite as fast as, as a Jackson. Um, he's got plenty of arm talent, but, but definitely needs a lot of seasoning there and, and, and boom or bust. And, but if you've got a chance at a boom quarterback, if you've got a chance at Josh mm-hmm. Allen, if you've got a chance at landing that guy, that's why teams are going to go for somebody there, even though it's a bit rich for my blood. So... Willis, you said, has all the physical tools, and there's differing opinions. Maybe it's going to be like a Trey Lance situation where it's basically a red shirt year in front of him before mm-hmm. he's able to go. Guy that I'm intrigued by coming off injury is Matt Corral of Old Miss. Not big guy by any means. How do you guys scout him? Do you see him with the right fit, the right production, and of course getting healthy that he can at the very least become an NFL starter, or is that maybe even too high of a grade? Yeah, no, he's he's right there. He's our third-ranked quarterback with that 6.5 overall grade. So that's kind of right in that range where, where we have these guys in terms of we don't see them as ideal starters, but they've got a chance to develop. They could certainly be high-level backups. Um, but with, with Corral, I look at him, and he's a hard guy to scout. You asked about scouting him. He's a hard guy to scout because he's in this offense where they're throwing all kinds of RPOs, shotgun. Uh, there's almost nothing that you see that really resembles like what, what we, we used to call NFL offenses. It's get the ball out of my hands quickly, um, quick reads, quick reads. And so um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get the projection. In terms of where I think we end up with him, you like that he's got really good footwork, really good awareness in the pocket. Having seen him work through the progressions, but he does show that sort of ability. Um, I think he's got the arm talent to be able to, to do what we look for here. Um, and he's got plenty of mobility, too. Again, not, not Malik Willis' ability. This isn't somebody that's going to scare NFL defenses with his legs, but he will keep the defense honest with his legs. 
So there's some there's some that could develop there that I'm that I'm interested in, and I think he could be kind of a, a sufficient starter on the NFL level with the ability to develop his ability to read defenses over time, being the the, the kind of key thing in terms of if he can actually become a, a guy that you can rely on, or if he's a little bit more limited. Uh, Matt Manis here in Sports Info Solution. Matt, as we did last year, we'll get into the local kids that may hear their name further on into the draft uh, in the weeks ahead. But I want to focus, we can't bet on the NFL draft in I. We have sports wagering in I, but we can't, for whatever reason, bet on the draft. If there was a prop out there, and I think I'm starting to think I know which way I would go, as the first kid who played in the state of Iowa, Trevor Penning might be the favorite to go first, right, from northern Iowa. Does Penning hear his name before Linderbaum and Brees Hall? So we've got Penning with that identical 6.8 grade range that we have uh, for Linderbaum. So we've got them right in the same tier of players. Uh, Obviously, Penning playing a little bit of a more valuable position. He's got a little bit more sort of physical upside, but certainly not the, the polished product that we see there. He was a guy, I think you saw at the Senior Bowl, he was just tossing people around and certainly kind of made a name for himself there. Uh, For me, I would still value Linderbaum above him um, just because I think uh, he does more at his position. uh, Relatively speaking there, he's a little bit more of a finished product, like we said. But the physical upside, you know, a guy that's 6'7", 325, and you saw him really beat up some people uh, in that Senior Bowl in case there were any concerns about sort of the small school guy being there. So we've got him as the fourth-rated tackle in the draft. That 6.8 grade range is, is projecting to being a, a high-level starter on the, on the NFL level. Um, I would take him after Linderbaum, but, uh, yeah, I would take him before before Brees Hall. Aiden Hutchinson, many people have mocked at the top. Who do you look at for Jacksonville fit and ultimately how it's going to play out? Who is going to go number one? Is it Hutchinson for you? Hutchinson's the number one guy on our draft board. Um, I haven't done a lot of, of looking into like need fits and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. because I hate thinking about the draft in, in, in those sorts of terms. If you come on to our, our new NFL draft website, you can go through all that stuff and you can really see we have a cool interactive tool called SIS Sonar where you can see all the sorts of positional strengths and weaknesses and fit things there. But there are three guys that we have with blue chip grades in this year's draft. Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama, and Kyle Hamilton the safety out of Notre Dame. I don't think you would go wrong with any of those guys there, but between the positional value and having somebody who's just a ready-made performer who can come in and be a double-digit sack guy, I I would go Aiden Hutchinson, number one there. He's got everything you look for in an edge, not Chase Young in terms of his ability to bend, um, not um, sort of stone-cold run defender like like, uh, Joey or Nick Bosa is, Mm -hmm. but just about everything else up until that point. Uh, you talk about a guy 6'6", 260, pass rush repertoire, athleticism, strength, hand use, um, and a guy who's going to be a leader. You see it on the field, his competitiveness. Um, he's the type of guy you want on your team. So I, he, he's the safest bet for me at that number one pick. But, man, there's, there's, there's some good-looking players at the top. Uh, so, let, so let me ask you about a kid that after his freshman year, and I'm talking about Stingley with LSU, He's the first, when it's his draft year, he's a no doubt about it. This is the best cornerback we've seen in a long, long time, dot, dot, dot. And, and then his, uh, obviously his sophomore and his junior seasons did not go well at all, hardly played. How big of a, a, a detriment is that to Stingley? And might a team that, you know, normally had he played those two years, would be long gone by the time it's their turn to pick. Where do you guys have Stingley? Yeah, I love Stingley. We've got him as our top ranked corner. Um, we think if you, take away, 
if you take away the list, the list break injury that, that he had this year, I think that he's the most talented corner in the draft. And that's what we do. We, we grade these players based on their talent, based on them being able to where we think they can get to by their second year in the pros. So I think that really hurts. That's a really concerning injury, right? There are some injuries where as an NFL scout or GM, you're not so worried. That's one that you're very afraid of. Um, that's one that, that, that's got a little bit of a more rocky uh, track record there. Mm-hmm. Now, that aside, this player's unbelievable. Uh, he, he was a receiver before he was a corner, and you see his ball skills. When, you know, he's just a scary guy to, to throw the ball to in coverage because he always seems to come down with the thing. He can play completely alone in man. He can be solo, isolated, one-on-one. He not only handles his business, he's got an advantage in, in those one-on-one situations against really good receivers that you see in the SEC. Um, I'm, I'm still uh, a believer in all the upside that we saw when he was really on the field as a freshman, um, and I think he's, he's really uh, closer to the, the Patrick Sertain level mm. of corner that we, you know, we saw last year than, than people are maybe even thinking here. Um, it, we want to see more com- consistency. We want to see more uh, availability, right? The most important ability is availability. But if we're just talking about what this guy is as, a, as an athlete and as a corner, a guy who can play in any scheme and can shut down, I think, uh, high-level receivers in the NFL one-on-one, um, I, I'm, he's a fifth-ranked player overall, and I'd be happy taking him anywhere in the draft. Sports Info Solution. Matt, before we let you go, tell us about that interactive tool at the website again. Yes, so you can go to nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. We're putting the finishing touches on the site right now, but you can check out the beta if you're listening here. Um, it'll be fully out and, and into the world uh, at some point today or tomorrow, and we'll start promoting it. But nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. It's all the same information that used to be in our football rookie handbook, now put into a free, convenient website. You can go there. You can explore all of the players. You get an NFL-style scouting report based on my history with the Saints and with the Browns. The way NFL scouts look at these players, along with all the advanced metrics from Sports Info Solutions, so you can see not just yards and touchdowns and, and things that don't matter for what you are on the NFL, but the really important things and, and some of the deep dive stuff uh, that we're doing. Uh, and you can see your own team, like I mentioned before. Check out that sonar, too. Uh, so, yeah, that's NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com. Well, when we talk to you next week, hopefully it's up and running. Graphite Construction Group sponsors. Matt Manasarian is going to join us next week. We'll get into the, oh, like the Brock Purdy's, that type of player that probably a third-day pick or a uh, free agent. We'll do that with some of the locals and then get back into the uh, top of the draft, etc. with Matt as we work our way to four weeks from tonight, round number one in front of the Bellagio on the Strip in Las Vegas. Matt, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Matt Manasarin. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Mano. I just did. At Matt Mano. And this website is sharp. Have you, have you been on it? I, I just jumped on NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com. And, again, it's just the beta should be, what he said, what, next day or two? Well, that handbook that they used to put out was like, <laughs> what, four or 500 pages? How often do we go to that thing? We still got that old school we open the show yeah. with today, don't we? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh we'll come back. Trent's played the day. Two and oh last night. We've got ourselves an NIT championship game, Madison Square Garden for the last time tonight. Texas A and M, Jack Nungy and Xavier. Does Trent include that in his plays of the day? That's next. It's Des Moines Sports Station one oh six point three. 
joined by Dr. Heidi Bell from Elite Eye Care, University Avenue, West Des Moines, and the Eye Company in Ankeny. Dr. Bell, tell us about vision therapy. Not only are we doing vision therapy to rehab visual issues that are impacting reading, learning, and sports in general, but we're also using vision therapy to enhance visual skills like eye-hand coordination, timing, reaction speed, and overall accuracy and efficiency. To get started with our sports vision therapy, get a comprehensive eye exam at either of our locations at the Eye Company in Ankeny or in our West Des Moines location. That's Elite Eye Care in West Des Moines and the Eye Company in Ankeny. And online, If you're thinking of incorporating or setting up an Iowa LLC, zoom right past LegalZoom and work with Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry PC. He set up an affordable online small business package that helps you decide whether to form a limited liability company LLC or a corporation. With Rush Niggett's help, it's easy to form your new small business. Rush Niggett, a business lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. Go to RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush. Oh, 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, right, Miller Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent's Play of the Day in a moment. We've been trying to find a place to play this sound uh, that uh, you've come up with. So, so set the scene. This is last night yep. before the Nuggets game. Against the Pacers. They're Nuggets in Pacer. Indiana. Little in Indiana. pregame on Altitude TV. Right, who carries the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And the studio back in Denver is asking Scott Hastings, who's their longtime former player, yep. and does uh, radio TV out in, in Denver. So the, the, the gal that's in studio asked about somebody whether they're going to play tonight, correct? We just got to hear it. This is that's so good. This is as good as a pregame report as you're going to find on TV. Before I let you go, Hastings, I saw Jermichael Green warming up behind you. Any word yet on if he's able to go tonight? I think he was questionable coming into this game. I'll ask him. Where'd okay. he go? Yeah. Hey, Jermichael. <laughs> hey, Jermichael. You playing? <laughs> no, nah, he's not playing. That's how you do it. Scotty. No, he's not playing. Right to the horse's mouth, hey, right? That's how so you I'm do on the floor right? shooting. Absolutely. Turned around. Uh, I was in the middle of a, a live shot. Turned around and asked him, you playing? Pretty good info, right from the horse's mouth. All right. You've got some yeah, good info last night. Yeah, I did. Texas A&M looks unbeatable to me. I'm laying it. Are you? It's four and a half currently. Yeah, I'm going to lay it tonight with AM. Well, Most of us come in tomorrow morning at five, five oh, after yeah. 10 and save your. Jack, Jack Dungey goes for 28 <laughs> and 15. And... No, I don't think it's going to happen. But, anyways, finish up. Clippers plus yep. the two at the Bulls tonight. Clippers getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Aren't they coming off? Isn't this back to back for them? Uh, those two nights ago. Two for nights ago. Okay. Yep. That uh, they had the big comeback victory two nights ago. So jumping on that. And I got to do more info here. I'm looking at Milwaukee, but I think there might be an injury. So I'm trying to find some more info. I like the Bucks. They're at the Nets tonight. It'll be a big you know, kind of primetime game, if you will. Mm-hmm. Leading Milwaukee, but I do need to do a little more info before it becomes an official play for tonight. The East sorting itself. Is it a three-team or a four-team? You put the Celtics in along with the Nets and I the do. Bucks and the Sixers. I put the Heat in there. And put the Heat in, so it's maybe not as foregone conclusion as we think. Take the Bulls out. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, uh, Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics are here at three. Joe Stacy, Barnstormer Weekly. Yes. Six o'clock tonight uh, with uh, Talking Barnstormers. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3.